Uh, so, so Peter. Yes. I I have something I must confess to you. What What are you gonna confess? Uh, I uh, it's really difficult for me to say actually. Spit it out, man. Um, I've um, uh, I've cheated cheated on you. What? I went on a podcast called Left Thinking with this YouTube with this guy from this YouTube channel called Sansi. Okay. And you know, we 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 talked about you know leftist politics, you know, like you and I used to do. Um, and you know, it's gonna go up on his channel. Is he better at talking left than I am? No, no, no. That's not the point. You know, it's just, you weren't there, and he was there, and, and you know, he wanted me. You know, he just he asked me, and I shouldn't have done it. And I'm I'm sorry. I I I regret it. I regret my actions. You know what? It's always excuses, excuses, excuses with you, isn't it? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'll do better. I promise to do better. Well, next time you go on Thinking Left or whatever it's called, just, just <laughs> let me know a few months in advance, okay? <laughs> All right, sure. Uh, and if you feel up for experimenting, maybe we can go on there together sometime. Don't push it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, but I, w- I was on a podcast called Left Thinking, and it goes up on the YouTube channel called Sun C with the Z, uh, and it was a nice talk. We talked about some stuff, we talked about explaining things, like very complicated leftist, leftist topics to, uh, you know, in a simple way to people who don't, oops, to people who do, like don't have don't have experience reading academic texts or whatever, which is most people. Yeah, no, that's mm. awesome. That's really good. Yeah. Uh, I haven't heard of them before, but I'll definitely check them out. What did you say they yeah. were called? Zanzi. Zanzi, okay. Yeah, it's spelled uh, Z-A-H-N-Z-E-E. Nice. Okay, well, yeah. uh, I will check them out. Um, that sounds great. Work yeah. So people can hear it on their YouTube channel? or Yes, it's on, it's on the YouTubes, on the YouTube.com. Ah. I heard that's where all the young kids are these days. I don't really understand it, to be honest. No. It'll probably go away. moving pictures? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how that's too complicated for me. I prefer to stick to sound and radio. I mean, I barely trust radio, so I I get (laughs) what you mean. Yeah, I mean, how does it work? Is there like a tiny man in the box? How do they get the voices into the box with the thing? How do they shrink the man to be so tiny? How do, how do they... Is it wires? How do they do it? <laughs> I don't know. All I know is you plug it into the wall. You do? Yeah. Oh, that explains it. Anyway, <laughs> it's Christmas. It's Christmas, it's Azure. Christmas. This is the real Christmas episode. You thought the last episode was the Christmas special, but this is the Christmas special, you fucking idiots. Yeah, why would you think just because it's called, like, the Christmas episode that <laughs> that it would be about Christmas, you dumb Don't dumbs. believe everything you read on the internet. Yeah, you've just been taught a lesson about fake news. <laughs> yeah, there's a lesson in there somewhere. <laughs> this is a smart podcast. We are very intellectual. Yeah. Uh, and much like in the last podcast i'm still drinking you must oh sweet yeah so that's a that's a callback go listen to to the last episode (laughs) don't tell anyone peter don't tell anyone that we recorded last episode yesterday 
Oh, no. See, see, according to canon, this is in close to Christmas. Yeah, today's date is the 19th of December. Yeah, of course it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so close to Christmas. <laughs> yeah, I'm oh, so boy. excited. I've been watching all the advent calendars. Did you hear about what happened today in the news? Insert news item from December 19th here. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's incredible that the president of Serbia did that on live television. Oh, see, now you kind of screwed yourself, because now you have to find something about the guy from Serbia. The only thing you're going to find is, like, the Serbian president walks his dog or something. They're going to be like, that's I crazy mean, that's... that he did that, bro. <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, I mean, that is pretty crazy. Yeah, I mean. did that. Where did he get the dog from? It's not even his dog. <laughs> He just walked the dog. Yeah. Per Serbia doesn't even have a president. They don't even have dogs in Serbia. <laughs> <laughs> that was so stupid. I bet What are we do. talking about today, Peter? We're talking about Christmas, of course. Uh, the war on Christmas? Oh, you. Of course. Uh, <laughs> the war on Christmas and, uh, I don't know, eggnog? Trees? Mm. Music, movies. I've never had eggnog. You haven't? Oh, it's so good. See, the thing oh, is, we don't yeah. we don't have it here either, but you can make it pretty easily yourself. It's very yeah. simple. You just get some eggs and some milk and some cinnamon. You just um, get some egg and some yog. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and just put some <laughs> a bunch. Just put like a bunch of nog in there, a bunch of like eggs and some sugar, and then just stir it around, and you have eggnog sugar, and it's great. Mm. See, what I like to do is I like to put um, <clears throat> gin, whiskey, um, vodka, uh, schnapps, cocaine, uh, heroin, and milk into a bowl, mix mm. it all together, <laughs> stir it for a few hours, and yeah. then just uh, pulverize it and sniff it. Yeah. You can also eat it in liquid form with cereal. Oh, yeah, I guess you could. But that... that <laughs> That doesn't sound like something I do when extremely high off of alcohol, heroin, and cocaine. Though. <laughs> eating cereal? Yeah, eating. Oh, right, yeah. Living. I guess living, being alive, and breathing, yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty zoned out when I do this, though. Um, mm -hmm. No, yeah. But, but yeah, I mean, where should we start? It's, Chris it's a big topic. Christmas, Santa Claus, Jesus, movies, music. Um, uh, do you well, like Christmas I mean, music? Yeah. Yeah, like some really Christmas good music. stuff. Yeah. I think my favorite Christmas album is the Phil Spector album. Um, mm. I think it's called just a, a Very Phil Spector Christmas because he was, in, uh, he was a crazy narcissist. But it was all these... <laughs> um, like he, he did that thing, that uh, early entertainment business thing of just um, finding great uh, African-American bands and getting mm. them to sign over all their publishing rights and yeah. all their future money to him. And then he would release their albums and cheat them out of a bunch of money. Uh, but it's basically like it's, he got all his groups together to record all these classic Christmas songs. And they sound great. Uh, it's also the sound of you know, people getting robbed by a, 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 a <laughs> terrible producer guy. But it sounds yeah. great. It's beautiful. I um, mean, that is in the spirit of Christmas, is rampant capitalism. Exactly, yeah. Just cheating people out of money, um, being, you know, culturally very dominant over people that, you know, don't 
you know, maybe celebrate the same things you. It's it's very mm. in the spirit of things. Um, the the red Santa thing, like the Santa with the white beard and the red coat and that thing. Some people say it comes from Coca Cola, and some people say it actually comes from something else, and Coca Cola just picked up on it. But either way, uh, that picture of Santa has been spread around the world by like American hegemony. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure. Like, um, isn't the German Santa green or something? The German, the Germans had like fucked up stories about fucking monsters who eat children's innards and stuff around Christmas. Yeah, Krampus or whatever Krampus, they call them. And yeah, yeah, they have like a bunch of those monsters which are like meant to teach children to be afraid of everything. Yeah, no, Germans have a great folk mystery fairy tale tradition of yeah. just making these children's stories meant to scare the living shit out of children. Yeah. Uh, to make them behave or whatever and not be too loud while the parents are drunk. Yeah. And in yeah. Sweden, we have, in, in Sweden, we call Christmas presents Julklappar, which means Christmas claps. Uh-huh. Christmas slaps. Okay. And that's because <laughs> uh that's because in ye olden days you might get a present by someone throwing it to your door and it slaps against your door. And what? So it's a Christmas slap. It's <laughs> that's... because so or a Christmas knock, I guess. It's like someone throws a Christmas present at your door and it knocks on the door and then that's that's how huh. you get a present. That's a very aggressive way to give someone something. <laughs> <laughs> you mean a lot to me. You mean so much to me. <laughs> take it. Take this gift. You Swedish person. You mean so much to me. I really appreciate you. I mean, you know, it's like how in America, <clears throat> the little kids on the bikes, they do the news deliveries and they throw the newspaper on the doors. Yeah, yeah. It's like that, only with Christmas presents. I don't know what kind of Christmas presents they would have given out in the fucking 1300s or whenever that story came from. I guess like wooden like, uh, logs. <laughs> yeah, like uh, like uh, p- things they whittled out of tree. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> like a a whittled tree doll. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know. Isn't That's that what a thing they did back in the day? Like whittled a lot. I yeah. I wasn't around. Yeah, I was, but I was very drunk at the time. <laughs> uh, uh, we have these. So we we didn't. We never have had a Santa in in Swedish lore um but we had tomtenisar which means like santa gnomes i guess uh-huh which were like these little dwarf guys who ran around and they lived on the farm uh and they did stuff i think they ate a lot of porridge uh Sweet. something about wooden spoons i uh-huh. can't really remember but we had those they didn't give you presents they were just sort of around huh. and i think you put out porridge for them all right yeah in Denmark, they, we, yeah. we don't really... I, I have no idea about our own mythology, what we had from, yeah. you know, back in the day. But there is a big trend, or was at least, a thing about, like, Norwegian gnomes. For mm. some reason. Like, the tree gnomes and Christmas gnomes of Norway. Yeah. Uh, a lot I of gnomes in, in, like, Scandinavian and German folklore. Yeah, a lot of, yeah. A lot of gnome and, like... I guess also like fairies is a thing in Sweden, right? You, yeah, you, yeah, like fairies and gnolls and weird things that yeah. live, mostly just live in the forest. I think a lot of them, a lot of the stories were just created so that kids wouldn't just walk out into the forest alone. You know what? That does make sense. Yeah, and also makes yeah. sense why we also then wouldn't have it because we don't. 
I, I guess like traditionally we haven't had a lot of forest ground yeah like forested areas in denmark you might have something about like lakes or something uh, just things that are dangerous that you don't want kids around you might have mythology about that like don't go in the lakes alone because the lake gnome will get you and eat your toes yeah i'm i'm blanking on danish mythology in general i feel like we but this is pro- it's probably wrong but i feel like we don't have a lot of mythology in denmark that's specifically yeah. danish maybe maybe a lot of it's the same as in german i would guess because you might have just yeah. like you might have just had mythology but then it just disappeared yeah oh wait i guess like yeah we do have a lot of mythology surrounding like children dying um <laughs> that's yeah. that's a real thing because mortality especially childhood mortality in denmark until about 100 years ago was insanely high because there was a lot of um like people were horrendously abused by industrialization and before that the king had very uh strict control over everything and and no one had any rights basically to do anything and if you were born mm. into a, if you if you were born into a place you were going to die that place working the same job as your dad etc cetera, etc cetera. it was very <laughs> it was it was very That's, dire yeah. being a dane back then um mm. and a lot of like um Hans Christian Andersen wrote one of the stories that I still think is one of the saddest stories that I'll ever read called The Little Matchstick Girl I think it's called and I feel yeah, like yeah. that's a very that. yeah that's a that's a very danish mythology type story about how if you're not careful um you can die starving alone at the age yeah. of 5 yeah there is a, so I looked it up on on wikipedia there's a wikipedia page called danish folklore Oh. Interestingly, there's no Danish language version of this page. There's only the English one. And then in Spanish and what I think is in like Ukrainian or something. Macedonian. Huh. For some reason. Uh, and it, it actually says that it's recognized that only a fraction of the sources can be traced back further than the Renaissance. So yeah. Because a lot of it was, was oral history. Like not a lot of Danish folklore was ever written down. And so it's just been lost to the ages. You know, what? that makes a lot of sense. That does make a lot of sense. And also, yeah, like I said, a lot. I feel like a lot. Like, I looked up, and I think in 1933, um, more than half of all the people living in Denmark were essentially slave labor on farms. Like, you were, if mm. you, like, you couldn't move. Like, you were yeah, required um, by the king to stay where you were born until you died. We had a similar system. It was uh, Stotter, I think they were called. Stansbund in Danish. Literally yeah. just like uh, homestead bound. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, yeah. it was something akin to uh, you weren't paid in money, but you were paid in the things that the farm produced and you were like owned by the farm itself. You weren't a slave to one person, but you were like a, you were like bound to the farm or whatever. It was yeah, a you're complicated like, system, but. It, yeah, you were like a slave to your community. It was very feudal almost. Yeah. yeah. It was very, yeah. I mean, it was a remnant of feudalism. Yeah, it was, yeah. Uh, it was we got rid of it in the 30s i think but then after that was uh removed there was a a period of of mass nostalgia also for that system because industrialization was way worse in mm. denmark than the feudal system was and the mortality rates were even even crazier uh, yeah. than they were back back in the days of you know semi feudalism because this was of course you know at the very beginning of of the industrial age and everyone was just living in dirt and you know, yeah. uh, there weren't any safety regulations for anything, so you just subjected people and to just, whatever. Just so. the disease and shit going around at the time. Yeah, it's really no surprise yeah. someone like Marx came out in that time. 
because it's, it's also there's like no one yeah. got any money everything was so expensive you had no rights people were dying at the age of what 31 working yeah. in these awful awful conditions nightmarish a hellscape cities there's just ugh. Yeah. yeah merry christmas everyone merry christmas yeah this is the <laughs> the real christmas episode yeah <laughs> but yeah uh, very scandinavian like, christmas <laughs> i mean yeah there I mean, is only is. death waiting for you <laughs> i mean that is that is part of our germanic heritage is making up stories and talking about things during the holidays which are fucking terrifying yeah like and an sad. old lady who when you're naughty comes to you at night opens up your stomach and eats your organs that's a real german folktale i can't remember it was like frau something yeah like if you really want to get depressed read some like swedish danish german uh folk tales because they're, they're, they're like yeah. very sad the vast majority of them end with the protagonist dying or being dismembered <laughs> or yeah no it's yeah. really sad it's really it's really awful but yeah that's that's just how we got our children to learn to i guess be miserable back then yeah today all children learn from christmas is that they want material things like ipads and the only thing that matters is presents. Oh yeah, and things, and consumerism, and commercials, and sales. Uh, so that's nice. <clears throat> I mean, yeah, because that's obviously the best economic system, and the best, most interesting way to live life is to constantly mm. like be worried about how much money you have, and never be satisfied, and always just keep chasing money. And always I can't be in debt. actually um, feel happiness without buying uh, an iPad every Christmas. Yeah, no, those it's it's like um, it's it's like. Have you ever shot like a whole lot of heroin? Yes, a lot. Yes, uh, of daily. course. Yeah, no, I yeah, I figured, but yeah, it's it's like that for about point mm. one second, like zero point yeah. one second, like a, just like a like a tiny bit of just. Like a little bit of happiness is squeezed into your brain <laughs> and then immediately replaced by just like the most crippling anxiety and depression that you spent all this money on like a dumb bracelet or like a, a belt you didn't need that's made from like crocodile leather that you can't wear in public because PETA will put paint on your body. <laughs> Peter <laughs> agents will fucking <laughs> hit your knees with a baseball bat. Oh yeah, yeah. I can't wear any of my mink collection outside these days. No, that's terrible. What has society come to? I know. How, how will I get my 0.1 seconds of happiness now? If I don't know that, that like, uh, animals have suffered tremendously to make me happy for a split second. Look, Peter, you know the feeling when you get like a phone or, or a iPad or a computer or something and you open it up and you get to peel the plastic off? That is a great feeling. Yeah, that's worth the $5,000 I spend on shit every Christmas. You know what? It is. I almost forgot the true <laughs> meaning of Christmas. The plastic bit of the iPad. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Getting to peel things off. New electronic products. That's the real meaning of Christmas. And we're only 20 minutes into this episode and we already found it. Oh, we already found it. What are we going to talk about now? <laughs> You know what? You know what I found out is um, one of the main gripes that the Catholic Church has with Lutheranism and most of the mainstream Protestant churches is that the 
after the service, uh, the Protestant churches throw out the pieces of like the, the pellet things that they yeah. say is the body of Christ. And the Catholic church is really mad about this because they literally believe that it's the body of Christ. So they're like, they're throwing yeah. Jesus out with the trash. What the hell, man? <laughs> so what they do is they have these containers, these holy containers that they store away for the next service. Yeah. Because they, they don't believe in ever throwing out the body of Christ. And that's like yeah. their big selling point to new people coming into the faith is we actually believe this stuff that Jesus said about it turning into the body of Christ. And Have you ever yeah. studied the, um, oh God, the Council of Chalcedon? Oh, uh, remind me. So in the Roman Empire under uh, Constantine, there were a few splits in the Christian church like with the Arians and the Donatists, who, among other things, they believed that, or, well, one of them believed that, yeah, so the Donatists believed that Jesus was not a man, but a spirit, because they believed that God could not be a man. Right. right? Because of the Trinity. So Jesus is God. But they believe that God cannot be a human because humans are sinful and God can't sin. Right. So therefore, Jesus was a spirit and he only appeared to us to have been a man. And the, the, the Roman, not yet Catholic, but the Chalcedonian, also not yet Chalcedonian, but the mainstream Christian church in Rome said that this was a heresy because, the, because it neglects the importance of Jesus sacrificing himself and dying for our sins, because a spirit can't, you know, be crucified. You can't crucify a spirit. A spirit can't die. So, um, in the Bible and in a lot of Christian, early Christian texts from this period, uh, uh, people talk about the importance of, of believing in Jesus Christ in the flesh. Right, and yeah. that phrase "in the flesh" is a stab at the Donatists. That's interesting. I had, I I don't think I've heard that before. Yeah, yeah. So 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 part of eating, you know, this body of Christ is about believing in Jesus Christ as existing in the flesh, as dying for our sins, as a mortal man. That's uh, and interesting. Not as a spirit, because it also says in the Bible to do it. Jesus said, mm. "Do this, you know, eat the eat my body and drink my." blood yeah and you shall become but, i mean one a me. lot of the bible was written way after jesus died so that might as well have been written in the roman empire well i mean Constantine. I, yeah depending on who you ask obviously yeah um yeah. it was written way after his death everyone agrees with that it's like a, an oral tradition going yeah. you know uh ahead before it was actually written down that's true um like some parts might, of the yeah. bible which were originally part of the bible were taken out by the Catholic Church because they didn't like fit the narrative or whatever and they were just destroyed. Hmm. So there are books of the Bible which we have never read because the church has destroyed them because they didn't think they should have been part of the original Bible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, you know, they were of questionable I don't know. I I don't know. I don't I don't know what to believe when it comes to that stuff. I've heard a lot about how the Bible came to be and stuff, but I'm actually I'm reading a really interesting book at the moment called Mythologies by Edith Hamilton. It's it's an old book about um about uh the uh Greeks, the ancient Greeks and their gods and it's actually really good mm. and it's written in a very like enthusiastic and involved manner which is very pleasant to read still today. 
And it's interesting, like she makes some very good points about uh, how the Greeks made their gods. They were very revolutionary for their time because they, they were the first ones that we know of to make the gods in their own image. So yeah. the, the gods looked like them and they could mock their gods and they could relate mm. to their gods. They weren't like these monsters or, you know, these uh, uh, half human, half, you know, they were like half, but, but they were kind of like, they were evolving into modern religious takes of, of, um, of, um, of, of religion. And it doesn't really surprise mm. me that um, there would be this split of, you know, spirits, which is more probably in the Roman tradition of gods, where they would be like mm. more, you know, um, removed from humanity, looking down at humanity and the, the more maybe, maybe Greco Judaic tradition of taking uh, and making like gods in like accepting that gods could be like humans, but above them. Yeah. You know? That's, that's interesting. Something interesting about uh, ancient Greek religion. Uh, I could be completely misunderstanding Greek ancient Greek religion because I mean I haven't studied it at all. But my understanding is that they they believe that the gods lived on Mount Olympus, right? Yeah, Olympus at least. Yeah, yeah, um, and that the gods were just sort of up there. Well, I mean, they kind of lived all over, but yeah, they yeah. congregated on Olympus. Yeah, yeah, but no one ever like went there to meet them or to like check if it was true that they were there. Yeah, but the thing is too that um, one of the things I'm learning about the ancient Greeks is that Olympus is never clearly defined as to what it is. It's never uh, really clearly defined if it really is a mountain or if it's like more of a mental state place. Uh, mm. the, the places where it's actually mentioned as a mountain, it's kind of contradicted in the same text as being a mountain. So it's more mm. like, a, I think it's more like an analogy to, I think they more mean like a mountainous area or like some places, some of the, mm. the later uh, Greek texts even mention it as something akin to heaven like raised mm. above earth or something. Okay. But some people have like traced down and come up with suggestions for what it might be. Uh, like, mm. and, and it might, like they do have a Mount Olympus, which they think might be, like it's literally named after the myths of Olympus. And they're mm. like, it's probably this one. Like, mm. yeah, why not? But I thought, we don't really I just know. thought it would be really funny if like everyone in Greece was just like, oh, yeah, the gods, they all live up on that hill over there. And then some guy is like, oh, really, can I, you know, has anyone ever gone there to, like, see them or meet them? And everyone's like, no, but they're there. Yeah, it, it is interesting, like, because they do have these very, like, there's um, uh, a story of a Pegasus, and it described in the story exactly where it slept at night. Like, it's yeah. right over by that hill. And we do have geographical locations, and we know that the people were aware of the place that they were describing in their stories. And they're like, yeah, the Pegasus sleeps over there at night. And people were, like, the thing is, like, the reason no one checked, according to Edith Hamilton, at least, is because the world was a very dangerous place to, to people at the time, because yeah. we didn't know what wilderness and what um, monsters lurked in the shadow and in the sea and whatever. So people were very willing to believe these stories because the world was very small. And especially in Greece, with all these tiny community societies, People didn't really communicate with the outside world and everything surrounding them was just like their people and a bunch of ocean. So they didn't really know a lot, like in a, in a very, in a very primitive way, they were, that they were extremely smart and had these incredible stories for a, a, a people that was still so primitively isolated from the rest of the world. Something which is interesting about, uh, something I heard about the, the ancient people who lived in 
the area which is today like the Levant, like the the coast to the Mediterranean in the Middle East. Yeah, that the people who lived there, um, they believed that the Earth was like it was this land, uh, and there was like this continent basically, because they you know they they had explored a fair bit around the Middle East, and they were like, yeah, okay, that's pretty much what the world is, and then around around this continent of land there was an endless ocean because to them from from their perspective you know they had an, the mediterranean they had the ocean on the one end and you know they couldn't see any land anywhere else and their boats weren't that great so they couldn't really go anywhere so they were just thinking well there's probably just ocean this way forever oh yeah and then you know they went to like uh the persian gulf and they were like there's a bunch of water here too. That's probably the other. This is probably the edge of the world. So the world probably is like this one continent, and then there's ocean surrounding it, and just like the default state of the universe is just ocean. Oh um, yeah. And oh yeah. So in, in the Bible, when they talk about Genesis, they talk about how God create like he like the earth was just a dark sea. Or like I don't know if it's actually in Genesis now, or if it was like in the original Genesis or something, but like something that we can interpret from the original Hebrew. Right, right, right. But like uh, when the, when God first created the world, the only thing that existed was uh, darkness and a giant sea, which stretched out for infinity. Mm. And then God said, you know, let there be light, and there was light, but there was no land. So then He created land. And That's just, an interesting just, interpretation. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that it was just like this. Um, to, to, in their minds, like the default state of the universe, which is like an endless sea, just endless water forever. Yeah. And then there was land every now and then. That does make sense, yeah. No, I, I, w- I would buy that, yeah. And there's a reason, like, uh, as you mentioned, because the Greeks believed that the world was basically just water and a little bit of land, uh, yeah. like um, Poseidon was the second most important god in all of the yeah. ancient Greek mythology, because yeah. obviously if you controlled the water, you control the world. And yeah, you were the one because that, like, you know. if you if you imagine like you are in Greece, in you know ancient history, mm. and you like look uh, across the Mediterranean Sea, and you have heard of people who like try to go out in boats and to see like what's on the other edge of the sea. No one can get to northern Africa from Greece in the ancient era. No, 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 no. So like to you, you probably believe that you know that way it's probably just sea forever. Like what else would there be? Like. There's no land. I can't see any land. You go out with a boat, you never reach land. It's probably just sea forever. I mean, that would be the logical com- conclusion at the time because if you tried to go north, you would be greeted by very rough terrain and territory, which wouldn't easily be uh, trespassed at the time. Like you couldn't just if like if you were someone who maybe was born in Italy or someone mm-hmm. who was born in even like the early. Uh, German territories, you could you could easily discover that, like you would you would probably come to the conclusion that the vast like all of the Earth is basically land, and there's a little bit of water every once in a while. Yeah, but because they like you were in this, and and a lot of the the Greeks lived on islands, so again they were yeah. literally surrounded by water, and it was it's very easy because with the primitive technology as well, you wouldn't mm. be able to just travel all across Europe as a Greek person either. 
You would and, be and, very. And uh, I, I remember now, there were some Greek people who actually went to Egypt via the land route. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't think Greek people ever traveled to northern Africa over the sea. Like there were some like early maps of the Mediterranean, which some Greek scholars made. I can't remember when they made it, but I'm talking like way before that time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, by the time the Greek mythology, like myths of the gods and that kind of stuff were started to be created. Yeah. And and yeah, it's it's also interesting tracking the Greek mythology myths over time, because um, near the end of the of the ancient era, the myths and stories written about the Greek gods became more and more comedic. Like they stopped mm. taking the gods' stories so seriously as they became more technologically advanced. So they more or less all turned into like slapstick comedy stories near the end. Uh, yeah. And in the very beginning, there was a lot of reverence for them because you were afraid of them. Like there's a, there's a story of, uh, they would explain why volcanoes erupted based off of the fact that they believed someone was forging armor for the gods yeah. inside the volcanoes. Right? Yeah, exactly. So, but, but people kind of stopped believing that as they became more technologically advanced and they were replaced by different myths and different explanations as yeah. both science evolved, technology and understanding of the world around them. And as they were, you know, visited by different tribes of people and that came from different lands with different stories. Yeah. But it is, it is a miracle in so many ways that we even have those Greek myths and legends. Because they could have been lost to time so many times over. But they really are beautiful stories. Speaking of ancient Greece, um, Epicurus was a, an ancient Greek philosopher. He sure he was. Actually, he actually started the war on Christmas. That's true. Did you know that? He did, yeah. No, I know. Yeah. I, I saw it on um, Hannity. Yeah. Yep. Because he, he hated consumerism, so he actually hated America. Yeah, he hated yeah. America before America was even discovered. That's yeah. amazing. Uh, <laughs> I saw this, um, this documentary about neo-Epicureans. Mm -hmm. It was like this tiny group of people who like held on to Epicurean beliefs and stuff, which is interesting. But like by the end, I think what they they talked about like Epicurus and his critique of happiness and his critique of not his critique of happiness, but his critique of how people reach happiness mm -hmm. and specifically his critique of consumerism and yeah. by the end like what they did at the end of the documentaries i think they like printed out this massive billboard in like a mall that said like consumerism is bad or something yeah <laughs> stupid like that yeah well i mean the the problem with Epicur epicurus as well as a lot of the most if not all of the ancient philosoph philosophers who and people who wrote uh, histories and myths is that we only have very few fragments of them left. Yeah, with Epicurus, that's a huge problem. Yeah, most of what we know about Epicurus is from I can't remember his name, but he, there was a friend who met Epicurus and yep. who wrote down uh, a lot of the stuff Epicurus believed uh, after just like talking to him, and then that is like the record we have of what Epicurus believed. And then his actual writings, we only have like one or two of like his hundred books he wrote uh, oh yeah so most yeah. of it is just gone which and is a shame. yeah it's it really is a shame and a lot of i know that a lot of philosophers are really bummed out about it because it is believed in the philosophic world that he was a genius when it came to not just uh like economic or 
um, like a moral philosophy, but also in his interpretations of Platonism and all these things. It's believed that he was because people kind of refer to him as this genius that kind mm-hmm. of intellectually surpassed the likes of Plato and, and Socrates. But we really don't know He could have been a dumbass. He could have been a total dumbass <laughs> and he, it's all hype because yeah. people are just like, this dude looks, this dude's cool. Like he speaks good. And then his writings mm-hmm. could be dumb, like worse than Hegel's or whatever. But still like yeah. it could... <laughs> shade throne anyway no but um yeah we we simply don't know and it's a real shame because it is keeping a lot of universities and philosophers from talking about epicurus because again we only have very few fragments of his writings left all we know about him is kind of what other people said about him and these small amounts of fragments saved by islamic scholars our understanding of what epicurus believed about plato is that or like the the contemporary philosophers of Greek at the time and of Athens specifically he talked of Athens mm. uh, is that they a lot like Diogenes critique of Plato is that the philosophers talked about things which didn't matter mm-hmm. for instance how do you define a man in the fewest words possible oh it's a featherless biped and Epicurus kind of looked at that and said okay that's stupid I'm gonna do philosophy about how to be happy because that's a lot more practical and like that's basically the end of his critique of Plato that we know of. He probably had lots more to say, but we just have no idea. I mean, he probably, like, to reach that conclusion, he would have had to think about it a lot. And yeah. you, you would suspect he wrote about it if he, if he thought that <laughs> yeah. deeply about he, it, right? I mean, Epicurus, one of the main things Epicurus believed, uh, probably because he was a philosopher, but it was that um, to reach... To be happy, one of the things you have to do is you have to think about philosophy and you have to write about philosophy. And that was one of the big things that they did at the, the school slash commune which he created. Mm-hmm. Um, something interesting about that. So Epicurus created this commune, which was like a proto-anarchist commune where students came to work. Like they worked the fields, they grow, they grew their own food, they dug their own well and whatever. Like everything was taken care of communally. People took turns doing work. And then during the days, there was like this rule that you, you're not allowed to eat dinner alone. If you're eating dinner, you have to eat it with someone and you have to have a conversation about philosophy. Because that, uh-huh. Epicurus believed, was like that's one of the major keys to happiness is you have to talk to people. You have to talk to interesting people about interesting topics. That's like a big part of being human to him. It's like that's how you reach happiness is you talk about interesting things with interesting people. You know what? We should begin calling people who believe in that communists or something. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Marx Marx took a lot of inspiration from Epicurus for his philosophy. Marx wrote a thesis about Epicurus actually, which is very interesting to read. Yeah. And I mean like when you read a lot of his and there aren't even a lot, but when you read the stuff that Marx wrote about what communism really was, it seems way more inspired by the likes of Epicurus than Hegel. Because yeah, 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 he- totally. Hegel wouldn't like communism, I'm pretty sure. No, probably not. He was, he was very into the state and very into big, you know, institutional, uh, like uh, a very like, like liberal way of organizing society where these big government institutions would deal with the problems instead of yeah. the people, yeah. Uh, so, so these Epicurean communes, um, during Epicurus's life and after he died, they actually started catching on 
and other people started opening up their own communes. And I believe that by the end, there were a few hundred communes structured like uh, Epicurus' school all around the Mediterranean. And then Christianity came and turned them all into churches. Wasn't it the Romans first, though? And then well, Christianity? Well, it was the, the Roman Christians, I believe. Really? Because I, I thought yeah. it was, um, you know, the, the Romans came to Greece and then took the gods and turned them into their own gods and turned Greece into a structure that's more like the Roman Empire. And then way later... I don't think the Romans ever touched the Epicurean schools. I think the Epicurean schools were left alone during the Romans. But then when Christianity came, they were turned into churches. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because, I mean, the, the Romans, you know, say what you want about the Romans, they were fairly... In most of the places they conquered, they, like, let culture be pretty, you know, they sort of let it be. Mm. And, like, you know, they, they like taking gods for themselves. Yes. Like, oh, these gods are cool, we'll add them to the Pantheon. But they didn't, like, force their religion upon the places they conquered, really. Well, I know that they, they made the Greeks stop doing the Olympics mm. when they invaded, yeah. but I, I really don't know much about that aspect of... Greek and Roman history. To be honest, I always found the Roman Empire kind of boring. Yeah. Uh, to be honest, like just as a as a history, I like I like some of the stories of the time, but I don't. I never really found it. Like some people are really into the Roman Empire, uh, yeah. and cool if you're one of those people. It just never really diddled my skittle, if you will. Yeah, I think there are there are plenty of interesting aspects of the Roman Empire, and then plenty of things which are very boring. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, like, a lot of the stories, it's like Beatles songs, you know? They've just been played over and over again. It's like, whenever you yeah. talk about philosophy or history or anything, people always want to talk about the Nazis or the Romans. Like, those are the yeah. two main things, right? And I get it. It's I an interesting time, but it's what's also... What's really like, interesting about Rome is that they were kind of the first multi-ethnic empire which was, like, properly centralized. Yeah. Uh, which had, like, central laws which the entire empire had to follow. Like, yeah, we had the... Actually, the Mongol Empire was in the fucking 1200s, never mind. Like, yeah, the Roman Empire was pretty much the first of its kind, where it was this huge place, and, like, they had roads, and they had postal services, and you could communicate with people all across the empire, even though it was so big. And it kind of laid the foundations for, like, modern state building. Because, hmm. you know, obviously, things like Senate comes from Latin, because that's it's based on the Roman Republic. Yes. And the Roman political system. I think it's the Roman Empire is very important, uh, even if it's not interesting to everyone. Yeah, I think I think my main my main issue with the Roman Empire from like an empiricist point of view is they, they read more like a covers band than an actual thing of their own. <laughs> yeah. Like because like you mentioned, pretty much every aspect of their civilization was just like invading stuff, taking stuff from the places they invaded and incorporating it into their own system so it's like the senate you mentioned the, the 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 way they ruled for a long time was just basically like a a carbon copy of the uh ancient greek athen system the early mm. democracy type stuff in the senate and that kind that that way of ruling and the armors were inspired by the people they invaded uh other places and stuff like it just it's like uh yeah. it, it, it's it's not it doesn't seem to me like a thing of their own as much it's just more like a mishmash of early history in an empire. 
which I mean, cool. Like there's a bunch of cool stuff about the Roman Empire you can study, but I, I just, I don't find it as satisfying to read about as other times in history or other like philosophical eras in human history. And also like, I like that you almost sort of called the Roman Empire woke for being multi-ethnic. <laughs> No, 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 no. Uh, <laughs> like they had slaves that was and stuff. Just more of a because the um, the definition of empire fluctuates a lot. But one which comes back time and time again in history is that it's a country which incorporates multiple ethnicities. Yes, or multiple cultural groups. I wasn't saying that Rome was like woke or anything. They treated plenty of people very badly. Oh yeah, no, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. It's just very easy to read that into what you just said. Like it's a it's a yeah, woke no. empire. Because like it was, it was pretty awful, like pretty, pretty terrible and repressive and like classist and yeah. But yeah, I know what you meant. Just to to make Rome it clear, fucking yeah. invented classes, basically. Oh yeah, yeah, they love their classes. Yeah, again, yeah. very inspired by Plato. Mm. Yeah, we're very smart, aren't we? We're so smart. We're Why are we like, so smart? I and also, one more bad thing about Rome: they didn't even celebrate Christmas. Yeah, what's up with that? They didn't buy presents. They didn't go to the Mall of America and buy the Wii U. They didn't do any of that. Are you saying that the Roman Empire is woke because they're rejecting Christmas? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm saying the Roman Empire was un-American. Yeah, I can get behind that. Yeah. Yeah. They they sh- they should they shouldn't kneel in the football games. <laughs> <laughs> Did the Romans play football? When was football invented? That's a great question. American football probably is like an offshoot of rugby, which I would guess is probably like an English thing, right? Or a Scottish thing or something? Irish? I think it was Scottish originally, yes. Something, something. Hang on. History of American football. Um, oh, no, there's actually an ancient Greek ball game. No way. Really? Uh, called Episkyros. Episkyros. It translates to common ball. It was an ancient Greek ball game, highly teamwork oriented. The game was played between two teams, usually 12 to 14 players each, with one ball and the rules of the game, which allowed using hands. We don't really know all that much about it, uh, judging from this Wikipedia page. So it could be literally anything, but people are choosing to believe that it has something to do with American football. There are a few depictions of it. There's a guy, he has a ball, there's a goalpost. Uh, it says that in Sparta, the game was violent, which makes sense because it's Sparta. Hell they were yeah. trying to throw the ball over the heads of the other team. Uh, there was a white line called the Skuros between the teams. Uh, it, I mean, it feels pretty vague, the rules of this. Um, but I mean, it's a ball game, so I guess that might be it. A- yeah, I'm choosing to believe that this is just communist propaganda and really it's based off rugby. Yeah. Yeah. That makes more sense to me, anyway. I mean, just looking at the the history of football in general, it seems like people all across the world have, at numerous times in history, come up with the idea of having a ball and playing some sort of sports game with it. And, like, the football we have today, both American and and non-American, are just, like, amalgamations of all of these different games which have existed throughout history. Yeah. I'm not going to throw yet another tangent at you and talk about it, but Theodore Roosevelt like basically um, reinvented football because it got too violent in the U.S. 
um, look it up listener mm. if you're interested in that it's a, it's an awesome very epic story about how a president forced and 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 like the the uh, national football league to change its rules and basically came up with his own rules for the game and made them use his rules anyway christmas oh boy christmas we've talked Can for you almost imagine an hour if obama did that i'm sorry but could you imagine that would be cool. Like if Obama was just like, football is too violent. We have to change the rules of football. That would rule so much, though. They'd call it Obama ball. <laughs> yeah. Republicans would go fucking insane. Oh, could you imagine? I, th- I think it even started because uh, Roosevelt's son got injured or something. And he was like, listen, guys. <laughs> this mm. is too much. So, yeah. I don't know. It's a different time. Theodore Roosevelt. An incredible president to read about uh, if you if you if you're into that stuff. So what uh, are you gonna do this Christmas, Peter? This Christmas, I am going to be with my family, just like That's my boring. my mom and dad and fifty strippers and the the usual oh, okay. stuff. Yeah, are the strippers part of your family? Oh no, oh yeah, because that would be weird. That would be so strange. I mean, not that you would have strippers in your family. But that you would call your sisters strippers. How, and also yeah. that you have 50 of them. That's pretty, that's a lot. You know, my, my, my parents had a lot of children. Um, they started when they were three years old. And they mm-hmm. just kept going through menopause and everything. Yeah. yeah. I have like 70 brothers and sisters, I think. It's yeah. very confusing because they're all called Mark. Even the girls. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They were, they're, they're simple folk. My family, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, but yeah, no, the strippers aren't related to us. And uh, mm. yeah, we decided to do uh, just, you know, immediate family. So just me, my parents, 50 strippers, and my, mm. one of my brothers. Oh, okay. The 69 others are all uh, away on business. <laughs> yeah. They have their suits and the suitcases. They're on the planes. They're going to America to do the business. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, ironically, they're all like um, having uh, very sad children's Christmas movies written about their lives right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. They're very absent fathers, all of them. Mm. And they all say stuff like, I have an important meeting to their children all the time. <laughs> I can't come to your soccer game. I have a meeting. Yeah. I love the generic business dad in movies it's great in the, the 90s and early 2000s it's so great they're always wearing a suit and always like uh, the, this tie is always slightly slightly yeah. loose because they're stressed they out they have like the big phones yeah the and like no peterson i told you you can't do it that way oh no i have to go back to the office Ugh. my boss is such a hard ass he's making me come back in and do the numbers again I'm telling you, I'm going to quit one of these days, Melanie. <laughs> I'm sorry, kids. I can't be here on Christmas Eve because my boss wants me to work again. But don't worry, Timmy. I will show up to your big game. Except maybe I, I won't. Promise. <laughs> I promise I'll be there for your birthday. I promise. I promise. I promise. If there's anything in my life that I will do, it is show up to your birthday. I can't make it to your birthday. <laughs> <laughs> I bet nothing happens that will make me have a change of heart and become a better father. 
90s children's movies rocked. They were all pretty much the same thing. It was like parents, yeah. huh? Like it was all like, ugh, parents, <laughs> am I right? Always going to meetings and talking on phones. Ugh. Yeah. I don't know if I ever like realized as a kid when I was watching those films that like, these are all the same movie. Like, these yeah. are all about the same thing. But I don't know. It's, I like yeah, them. it's basically the same story over and over again with a different setting. Uh, yeah. yeah. Even Home, Home Alone, Alone is basically. Yeah. <laughs> How did we come up with the same example at the same time? That rules. <laughs> yeah. Well, because I was just thinking about his dad and how when they were in New York and his dad was in the hotel room and he yelled and the uh, Kevin was in like Central Park and he could hear it somehow, which was anyway. Because he's so stressed out from all the work and all the meetings. Yeah, it's all the business is doing in New York. And when you talk to Donald Trump, who's in that movie. Yeah, he's he's great. He's great in that movie. He's just standing around being like, Hey, kid. What are you, why are you standing here being a kid? That's annoying. Okay, well, go outside now. Bye. Yeah. That's, kind, that's honestly like the one role I would want in a children's movie. It's just to be yeah. a guy in suit coming in going, Hey, kid, why are you a kid here? Shouldn't be a kid here. Go outside now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's a pretty good role. To have. I mean, just be like the generic fun killer. Just like the lifeguard who's telling you not to play with the ball, which is like the, <laughs> the generic grown-up who's telling you not to do something which you think is fun. Yeah. Get out of here. That's the, that's the role you would want in a children's movie, because you just get yeah. to be cartoonishly evil for no reason and no provocation. Yeah. <laughs> You're just like, hey, kid, you can't be a kid inside this very fancy store. This is a fancy <laughs> store, not a kid's yeah. store, you annoying kid. Get out of here with your kiddiness. This isn't a circus. Get out of here. Hey, I see you kids having fun. Stop having fun now. <laughs> you can't eat chocolate in here. This is the, the fancy painting store. Inside this store, we only eat broccoli. <laughs> this is the broccoli and no fun store. Yeah. You can't play volleyball on the beach. What if... <laughs> this is my beach. You can't play volleyball on my beach. All we do here is... Uh, Look at art. <laughs> Read the newspaper. Yeah, this is the newspaper beach, boys. <laughs> oh, oh, and those scenes where like the kids are like doing grown-up things, or, like pretending to do grown-up things, like reading the newspaper or whatever. Yeah, that's the best because that those you know those jokes were put in there for the parents. Yeah. Have you noticed this is? I don't know if you if if this is the thing everyone knows. But like in in those movies, um, where the you have the evil stop having fun characters, they're always married and they're always in an abusive relationship with their partner. Mm. Go back and like yeah. watch the National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation and stuff. It's always like a very like unhealthy, tense, terrible situation inside their households. They're always just like, "Shut yeah. up, Melanie! I'm gonna look at this." Or like, "No, I'm not gonna do this. No, stop, stop it, yammering all the time." Like it's always this. Yeah. They're not just terrible to kids; they're also terrible to their romantic partners and their family and stuff. It's a great little I feel feature. Like almost all romantic relationships depicted in those kids' films are pretty unhealthy in one way or another. With That's like true. The father being very absent. Yeah, they're just not like, just yeah. from his kids, but like from his wife as well, who's left to like deal with the kids. Yeah, I and guess they have like yeah, fifteen kids. That's true, but they at least have, like, they're, like, well-meaning terrible people. Like, they, they have hearts yeah. of gold underneath the terrible behavior, at least if you mm -hmm. trust the movie. Um, yeah. But, yeah, like, 
the the bad people are just bad in those movies like they're just there's no redeeming qualities to them and they yeah. like they they build them up in such a way that you're happy with them like getting electrocuted at the end or something yeah yeah exactly what <laughs> the fucking lifeguard at the beach just fucking dies at the end yeah <laughs> all the kids all the kids get up and electrocute his testicles until he dies and it's just like you get a tight shot of his face going, <laughs> and then he's dead. And all the kids are yeah. playing volleyball on his beach. <laughs> That's the role you want in a movie. That's so true, That's though. That's the goal of every actor is to be that guy who gets electrocuted and dies at the end. Um, hello, my name is Peter Rhodes, and I'm reading for Testicle Shock uh, Bodyguard. <laughs> okay, can yeah. I do the face? Sure. <laughs> Uh, oh, it's like fucking um, those comedy movies, like in Paul Bart Mall Cup or whatever. When you know, uh, hello, I'm Peter Rhodes. I'm reading for Fat Mall Cup number forty six. Yeah. I'm reading for a fat mall patrolling guy who gets kicked in the nuts and makes a fucking funny face and falls to the ground. Number forty six. Uh, yeah. Number forty six. <laughs> yeah. And it's all like, uh, it's like, uh, I'm reading for a disgusting, terrible, gross human being, uh, normal day worker cop. <laughs> like, mm. It's always like, the, the thing about Adam Sandler movies that's so great is that he just hates working people. You just, you can yeah. just tell from all his movies, everyone who just like has an everyday normal job, he just feels like they're not only just dumb, but despicable and disgusting people. Like, it's always just like teachers are vapid and evil and want to hurt children and like mall cop security guards are gross and obese and disgusting and perverted and like literally every type of job like unless you're Adam Sandler in an Adam Sandler movie you're a horrible human being yeah uh, have you seen um, Christmas with the Cranks Cramps uh, it has Dan Aykroyd in it I think you've talked about it before. I don't think I've actually seen it. It's this uh, Christmas movie. I can't remember who made it. I don't. Uh... Isn't it a Dan Aykroyd movie? I think you Dan told Aykroyd me about is it. in it. I don't know if he directed it. He did a bunch of terrible movies in the eighties and nineties on on his own after he kind of creatively broke up with John Landis, which was a terrible decision. Uh, Dan Aykroyd is in it. It was directed by Joe Roth. Joe who? Joe Roth. Joe Roth. That sounds like a fake name. Yeah. <laughs> um, with her daughter away, the Cranks decide to skip Christmas altogether until she decides to come home, causing an uproar when they have to celebrate the holiday at the last minute. So uh. basically, it's these two parents have a kid, and she's going away during Christmas to spend Christmas somewhere else. And they're like... Christmas is a really stressful holiday. We have to do all this stuff. And, like, I'm really not feeling up for it. I feel like you and I, we could just go on a vacation somewhere and just, like, have a nice, relaxing time just for us. Mm. Uh, and then the entire town just fucking attacks them for daring to not want to celebrate Christmas. Like, they basically... I feel like the logical conclusion of that movie, if they had kept refusing to celebrate Christmas... Someone would have just killed them. Like, they would have just been assassinated because people were so upset with them for not wanting to celebrate Christmas. So the, the, the end of the movie, the, the message of the movie is if you're peer pressured into doing something by your community, you should probably just do it. <laughs> <laughs> so they end up not going on the vacation 
and they celebrate Christmas anyway, and then I think their daughter comes home early or something. So it has like the same message as The Last Jedi, which is don't question authority, just do whatever you're told. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Oh, that's uh, great. Yeah, yeah, Dan Aykroyd is in, Dan Aykroyd is in that movie, and he he like he plays this guy who he has like this company where he sells this um this thing called Frosty which is like the snowman figurine which you put on your roof every Christmas and for some reason you have to buy a new one every Christmas like why wouldn't you use the one you bought last year but apparently it's a you thing you, it's like this giant like 7 foot statue that you buy every Christmas and you put it up on your roof and then i guess when christmas is over you just fucking throw it on the tip or something but you buy a new one every year and then the cranks are telling him like oh we're actually not gonna be here this christmas we're gonna go on vacation and then he's like i'll fucking dare you insult me this way are you not gonna buy my stupid ass eight foot snowman <laughs> statue and put up on your roof using fucking ropes and pulleys <laughs> like, how dare you and then the entire community is like yeah how dare you yeah yeah how dare you that's and then awesome. by the end they're just like oh i guess we'll do it i can just uh, see how- <laughs> the thing about dan Aykroyd is i can see him reading the script going this is great this is awesome yeah. this is so logical <laughs> this is great the thing about like dan Aykroyd is he's a uniquely great talented actor comedian like really when mm-hmm. he's put in the right movie he is like the perfect actor like if, you, if he's put yeah. in a good movie but his judgment is awful like that's mm. he, he needs to be surrounded by people who know better than him when it comes to writing movies directing movies starring like which movies he should be starring in because when he's left alone he will do this and like nothing but trouble which is a movie mm. where he plays a judge with a penis nose and and like pigs rummaging through dirt because they're criminals like he's he's just like he if you just give him like 10 scripts and one of them is just like a joke you wrote in comic sans he will pick the one in comic sans he just he's he's not to be trusted creatively really he needs a very tight leash yeah (laughs) uh he's great though he is he is yeah he also believes in aliens he really believes in it yeah and ghosts yeah. yeah, his original script for Ghostbusters was supposedly so weird and like so like mm-hmm. he wrote Ghostbusters originally to like a documentary basically yeah to be like uh, like like uh, to, to spread the message of ghosts being real and yeah. and and like there's a great piece of of special edition stuff where all the uh, on, on the Blu-ray release of Ghostbusters where all the actors are like interviewed and they talk about the movie, and like Bill Murray's clearly like drunk and high, and he's just like, ah, "It's great, it's a good movie, it's funny, whatever, whatever." But then when they get to Dan Aykroyd, they're like, "And I watched it with my son a few years ago, and I told him, look, you have to take this stuff very seriously. You can't invite any negative energy into your life, or invite the evil forces to take hold of you if you're, as you're watching this very informative document about spiritualism. And then after the movie, he said, Dad, are ghosts real? And I said, I couldn't lie to him, because... Uh, you know, you have to be honest with your children because the media won't and you know education won't. So you have to. So I sat him down and said, "Yes, ghosts are very real, and they've infiltrated the government." And he's just like kept going. We're just like, <laughs> "Whoa!" Yeah. 
Dan Aykroyd is wild, man, but he, he's, he can be so good when he's in the right project. To bring it full circle, you might say that Ghostbusters is the modern variant of the Germanic folklore tales of uh, the fucking <laughs> monsters that eat your organs and stuff. Yes, it's a Brothers Grimm story in the modern age. <laughs> it's there to warn kids yeah. uh, about the dangers of negative energy in your life or whatever. <laughs> yeah, but I'm telling you, like when Dan Aykroyd works with John Landis, it's great. It's always great. That's when you get yeah. the real yeah, Ghostbusters. Yeah, no. Yeah, like in fucking Blues Brothers. Yeah, I loved him in Blues Brothers. He was great. He's really good. Uh, yeah, and, and talented. He, like, even back then, he believed in aliens and stuff. Like he was a weird man even back then, but he was great. Yeah, and he was really funny on the original Saturday Night Live too. He did some really funny yeah, sketches. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, So was um, what's his name, John Belushi, incredibly yeah. talented guy. Yeah, he died of a drug overdose, I think. Yeah, he was he was only like, like forty forty two or something when he died. It was really tragic. Yeah, like shortly after the first Blues Brothers film. Uh, he overdosed, I think. Yeah, I can't remember which movie he was supposed to, like, they were, they were, oh, he was going to be in Ghostbusters, that's what it is. He was supposed to be, like, um, oh, yeah. um, uh, a Harold Ramis character, the nerdy scientist guy that was supposed to be, oh. um, that would have been so great if John Belushi had had to play, like, a very nerdy, nerdy scientist <laughs> yeah. guy, that would have been so funny. Carrie Fisher was in Blues Brothers, I keep forgetting that. That's true, she was, yeah. That movie the is one so trying good? to kill, uh, kill John. Yeah. Belushi. What's his name? Jake. Yeah. Yeah, J uh, Jake. Um, what are their last names? Blues, I think. Yeah, isn't it just Blues? Yeah, Jake and Elwood Blues. Yeah, Elwood. That's true. Yeah. Ah, this Can is you so imagine beautiful. if they played jazz instead, and their names were Jake and Elwood Jazz. <laughs> <laughs> Jake and Elwood Swing. Swing. Yeah. Uh, trap. <laughs> <laughs> just trap core artists yeah Jake and Elwood electropop yeah <laughs> neo-funk <laughs> that would yeah, rule though funny. yeah or house yeah. music it would just be Elwood house uh, those movies are so good I think I'm gonna watch Blues Brothers tonight now <laughs> yeah do so that's a great movie yeah Aretha Franklin was in it yeah it's yeah. good he was in yeah it. so that's a, that's a, a shit island recommendation to watch Blues Brothers. Yeah, totally. If you haven't watched Blues Brothers, what are you even doing with your life? It's such a fun movie. Like it's like a hangout. I think they even filmed it in like old Milwaukee or something in Wisconsin. So it has that mm. middle America feel, and it's all very drab and depressing and industrial, and yeah, yeah it's beautiful. In uh, in Swedish, we have a word uh, called allmän building, which means like uh, it essentially means zeitgeist, or it means like. Um, Ah, uh, it means like common education, which is like folk education or something. And it's basically like there are certain things which are part of Alman building, which ah. certain things which everyone should know. So like um, all man building almost, right? Yeah, literally. Yeah, yeah. yeah. we have the word for that, but it's Danilse. It's like Bildung in mm. German. Building it just means like you know like education or it means knowledge, I guess. Yeah, literally to be like. Built like a house is built, but you're a human. Yeah. Um, I guess, I guess you, you can say stuff like knowing which political parties are in the parliament. That's Alman building. That's something everyone should know. Yeah, Danielsen in Danish or Bildung yeah. in German. Yeah, just like uh, stuff that, that is generally believed that it, you need to know it to be like a well-rounded member of society. Yeah, and I think the Blues Brothers is part of that. Yeah, I would agree. Like, <laughs> like so, is, so are the original Star Wars movies, probably. Yeah. 
Um, like, if you don't, I mean, I guess pe- people might not have seen the original Star Wars movies, but you have to know what Star Wars is. Otherwise, like, how are you going to function in society? Yeah, you're going to miss a lot of cultural references if you don't know what's in, like, if you don't, if you never heard of Darth, Wa- Darth Vader, or if you've yeah. never heard of, I don't know, Khan from Star Trek, or Citizen Kane, like that type mm. of stuff. Yeah. I would agree. So yeah, that, that's our little uh, Nordic education to y'all guys. Yeah. Human building, yeah. building in general. So, watch Blues Brothers, which with your family this Christmas. Do it. Yeah, it's actually it would probably be a great movie to play at Christmas because it has yeah. great music in it. It's funny. It's kind of poignant. Like they're trying to get money for an orphanage. I think is the main plot storyline. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of wholesome, trying but also to save really an funny. Orphanage from being. Yeah. yeah. And like by the end, it's just like. <laughs> it just spirals out of control. Yeah, all of it. It's uh, just it goes to eleven, and then in the last fifteen yeah. minutes, it's great. It yeah yeah. The Blush Brothers movie held the record for the most car crashes on screen in a movie for like decades. It was only recently yeah. like twenty eleven or something stupid like that. Yeah, and I don't I don't think they had time. all the permits either. There was some scandal about it that <laughs> yeah. they just did it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. They didn't even ask the police or anything. They just fucking filmed in Chicago yeah. on the street. <laughs> just like all these cars running. Yeah. I do I feel like that. I've heard that the police showed up, the Milwaukee police or whatever, they're, wherever they were shooting, like just showed up and were like, yeah. what are you doing? And like shooting a movie. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> can we be in it? Can we, can we also have a part in your movie? <laughs> yeah, you can play the... Um, Fat the mall cop. <laughs> Number 46. <laughs> the, the, <laughs> you can play the mall cups on the segways to get kicked in the nuts and make a goofy face. <laughs> Number 43. <laughs> Number 40. Uh-huh. There that's is great. a mall scene in the Blues Brothers where they drive through a mall. That's true. Yeah, they originated. See, that's the thing. Like They originated that shot and then they did it in a lot of movies after that, like Terminator 2 and stuff. And, yeah, and all the yeah. Chuck, Nor- Chuck Norris movies. Um <laughs> If you've noticed, like, there's, that's a through line in the Chuck Norris movies, too, is driving through malls and shooting terrorists in malls. Um, yeah. yeah. So that's, I, feel like, I feel like that's a callback in some way. Or, or just directors thinking, that's a neat place to have a shootout or a drive-through or something. Yeah. It's a mall. I, get, I feel like it's because, like, everyone knows what malls look like. Everyone has been in a mall. Yeah, everyone like, can... Whoa, what if a car drove through here? That yeah. would be crazy. It's like you can relate to it. Yeah, everyone can relate to how weird it would be if a giant monster truck just drove through it and killed a bunch of people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, uh, you worded it a bit differently than I would have, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Property damage, <laughs> woo! Uh, so what are your thoughts on consumerism? Good, bad? I love it. Me too. Thank you for listening, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to consume some uh, stuff, we should we should call this episode the real Christmas episode about consumerism and only mention consumerism at the end. If if you want to spend some extra money this Christmas, uh, you can you can become a patron over on patreon.com forward slash Ashier Scapegoat. Uh, give us some money. We gave you the heart sell in the previous episode. If you want to hear us really beg for you to support us, listen to that episode. <laughs> but really, it would be like a giant help to us because like, we're very poor. We need help. We need like we're, money yeah. right now. We, we do need money 
uh, just in general. Yeah. Rent and food and bills and stuff. It's just it nice. It's nice to have money, I think. I feel like in capitalist society, it's a good thing to have money. I'm not sure, though. I would have to read up on it, but I think so. Yeah. I think Marx might have written something about it, but yeah, I'll have to check it out. So thank you to our patrons, Joshua Cheesman, Dunk Junk Funk, Osi Sebo Kitty, M. Lim, Nian Chan Min, John H. N., Michael Rook, L. J. I am sorry about your name. L or Eli or Ale, depending on which one of those is a capital L and which one is a, uh, anyway. I'm I'm Jedi sure you Davian. still pronounced it incorrectly. So <laughs> Jedi Davian, Quagram, uh, Gekobite, and Emil Segerbeck. Thank you very much for your support. Thank you so much. And um, to future Peter, or I mean like current Peter, 19th December. Hey bud. Um, hope the exam went okay. Um, keep your chin up. Uh, you're, you're going to survive. <laughs> At this point, you will be fine, probably, hopefully. Yeah. Oh, uh, and I'm also working on a, a video about media. And if you want to hear more about that, then you can listen to the podcast that I did on left thinking with Sansi uh, on, on the Sansi YouTube channel. That's um, awesome. Yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing it. Are you? Yeah. Send us an email to bluechew.com at shitisland.com. So thank you everyone for watching, for listening, for sharing and rating and becoming a patron and doing all the good things. Yes, thank you. We'll probably not see you until January. No. Because it's Christmas. If yeah. you hadn't noticed, uh, Christmas is happening. Did you know about that? I mean, yeah. I hope you have a wonderful Christmas or Hanukkah or whatever Kwanzaa is. I hope you enjoy it because it's cold. It's cold right now, at least in this part of the world. And uh, you should be huddled up next to people that don't hate you. And if you're mm. one of those people, like, no hate. But if you're one of those people that maybe likes to go on YouTube and watch stuff that upsets you, or maybe likes to go on Reddit and seek out people that disagree with you politically. Maybe stop doing that for a few weeks and just like listen yeah. to good music, spend time with people you like, just give yourself a break and recharge for the upcoming year because January and February is always a nightmare. So give yourself That's a little self-care and, uh, you know, be, try, try to chill because this is the one time where it's like accessible in society or, or like uh, blah, blah, admissible in society to chill yeah so give yourself well, that as a it present. was until the whole consumerism thing happened yeah still though you still get a couple of days where you're just with your family you, you know. get a few minutes you get a few minutes enjoy those minutes <laughs> and like yeah. take the opportunity and say that it's because it's the season that you're doing it just give yourself yeah. like a, a rest from looking up stuff that contradicts you and just like be with be at peace with yourself and you know be with people you enjoy being with and you know remember that sometimes it's also good to just be and be happy yeah okay so thank you for listening thank you and goodbye goodbye and merry christmas merry christmas and then we ended on an outro of like a a, a very copyrighted christmas song like <laughs> Christmas of the year. We just get sued by yes. Disney or whoever owns all the Christmas music these days. We just play the audio of an entire Christmas special by Disney from the 50s. 
<laughs> just like two hours extra audio. <laughs>